Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. We're also going to look at Joshua chapter 24. Yesterday afternoon, I got a phone call from one of our uh, Sunday school teachers and deacons, Raphael Jubin. He called me and uh, asked us to pray for him and kind of shared an update. Raphael teaches Sunday school, our young adult class there in the gym. He says, Daniel, um, uh, he works for TSA here at um, Lexington Airport, and uh, sometimes he has to travel to other airports. And, and he, on Wednesday, he had to go up to the uh, Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport. And he went up there, and he, was just, he said he was around a lot of folks that he didn't really know, uh, just a different environment. And then on Thursday, he came back to work here. He just was not feeling well at all. Just didn't run a fever, just something wasn't right. So nowadays, if you uh, don't feel well, your employer sends you to go get a COVID test. Well, that was Thursday afternoon. He went and got a COVID test. And he found out the results yesterday, and he tested positive on because, uh, you know, it's a 48-hour test. So, But um, they were not his family, uh, him and Pascaline, their three children, they were not here Wednesday night. They normally come Wednesday night, but they did not come this past Wednesday night, uh, which is it was good. But they were here last Sunday. Uh, Raphael sits right over here, and he was in that class. He was teaching Sunday school last week. So um, I did want you all to be aware of that. So they're going into quarantine right now for a couple of weeks, so we won't be seeing them for uh, the, the Jubin family. But I do want to have a time of prayer for Raphael as... He said Thursday and Friday he was pretty sick. He didn't feel well at all. But he said yesterday he, he's felt much better. So, um, but we do. Uh, COVID is something that it, um, it's, it's all around us. And it's, it's certainly alive and well. And we, we need to wear a mask. We need to be cautious. So when we're here at church, we need to make sure that we stay six feet apart. We don't get too close to folks. We have our mask on. We don't act foolish. You know, we want to practice prudence and wisdom when we're around others, especially in a church environment. But let's do pray for Raphael. Pray that he recovers very well. I know he's watching online. And I do want to remind our online audience, um, as well as you all, you know, we all, all of our services, Sunday morning, uh, Sunday, Todd out Sunday school class, Sunday night, and Wednesday are all online on our Facebook channel. So if there's ever a time you don't feel comfortable coming to church, you can absolutely worship with us online here, with our Broadway online, with that. But uh, I do, I want to take the time, I want to pray for Raphael, pray it doesn't spread. He has three girls, we don't want anybody else in their family to get COVID, and uh, you know, we certainly don't want anybody else in our church family to get COVID as well. So let's bow our heads and go to the Lord, lift up the Juban family. God, we come to you this morning, we especially pray for Raphael, Pascaline, and his three, their three daughters Raphael found out yesterday that he tested positive for the virus. Lord, I pray that he did not expose others. Pray he did not expose his family. Lord, we just pray that uh, the worst is past him as he battles this. Lord, I just pray that this uh, does not spread through our church family or through our community. Lord, we pray this virus goes away as it has created such disruption in our lives, in our schools, in our churches. It is truly a mess. And God, I pray for the, um, the doctors and the researchers that are looking and searching for a vaccine. Lord, we pray as we hear here in our state and our city that cases are going up. Lord, we pray folks practice prudence and wisdom 
and we don't, do not help contribute to the spread of COVID-19. Lord, we just pray that we, as, um, as believers, are sensitive to this issue and realize this is something that is, um, is real and is, some people are very sick from it, especially, uh, especially Raphael right now. Pray for his health. Pray that um, you just help him recover quickly and we just give his family to you. Lord, we just especially pray for our nation as we're in a midst of so much uncertainty and we're in great need of renewal and revival. Lord, we pray that you're with us as we open up your word, as we talk about family renewal, and that you are going to do a mighty work in our life as well as our church's life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is the third part of a sermon series here on renewal. We're in great need of renewal. Two weeks ago, we looked at personal renewal, how God wants revival for your life. God wants you to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. Last week, we looked at what the Scriptures shared with us, how churches, including Broadway Baptist Church, with a return to the Word of God, with a return to a focus on Jesus, how He is our only hope. He is who we worship as, as, a, as a body of believers. How churches can be renewed. God wants to see people saved. Lexington needs Broadway Baptist Church. Cities and nations need Bible-believing churches with ministers that boldly stand up and proclaim, Thus saith the Lord. Next week, I'm going to be preaching on National Renewal. National Renewal out of the book of Second Chronicles about how Jehoshaphat called the nation of Israel. He was surrounded by the armies. He called them to fast. And I'm going to invite you to fast on Election Day. We're nine days from Election Day. That's also the year now we're talking about. That's also the day because the kids are out of school. The day we put our Christmas tree up. It always seems to be a good day because there's usually a slow day, especially if you already voted, so that's our day we put our Christmas tree up. I mean, you might as well, you spend so much for Christmas, might as well just put, why wait till after Thanksgiving, might as well just go ahead and throw it up. Got all these ornaments and lights and it takes so long, so, of course, you already voted, so, uh, but uh, we're going to be inviting you to fast now, and I'll be sharing about that next week, about what that looks like and how our nation needs believers to fast for our nation, to give up. It might be something as giving up food all day, it might be just skipping lunch, and what you do is you replace that meal that you would have been spent time to eat, you would spend that time in prayer, might spend it to go vote, you'll do something for the Lord. I've convinced our children they're going to fast dessert. So that's, fasting can be including anything. So even if you're not used to doing it, you can start by just giving up simple, something simple as not eating your dessert. But today we're going to be looking at your family's renewal. Now many of you say, Daniel, my family is not here. I live alone. I don't have a family. I remember last year, was it last year or two years ago, John Calipari, John Calipari had the Lexington... Not like saying Kentucky Wildcats, can't remember the name of the basketball team, 
wear their unit. They had a shirt on that said La Familia. And what they meant is the family, meaning the basketball team, because they spend so much time together in practice. They spend so much time in training and traveling. It's almost like family because that's their brotherhood of their team because they're always together. They've become very close. Well, when I use the word family, obviously we know family is your mother, your father, your siblings. But for some of us, family could be people you spend a lot of time with at work. Even though you're not related by blood, you are extremely close to some of your friends. You are extremely close to some of your co-workers. There's people in your life that you spend, you basically walk through life with. And these are the people who I believe that God has put into your life, that God has put into your path with a purpose to point them to Jesus. To point them to having a relationship with the Lord. And the reason why that's so important is because they know you the best because they spend the most amount of time with you. I mean, some of you might not be very close to your family. And you're some of your friends and your co-workers and maybe some of your neighbors, the folks you talk to every single day. That's your close family. Even though you're not related, you consider them almost like a brother. Okay, we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about family renewal and about how God wants you and I to be instrumental in pointing those that are closest in our life to the Lord. And we're going to look at two different scripture passages. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16, and then in a little bit we're going to look at Act, or I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 24. Acts 16, verse 25. I want to share what's going on here in the Scriptures. Paul is on the second missionary journey. He is with a man named Silas because he didn't get along with Barnabas. That's actually what happened. They had a disagreement. And sometimes disagreements, you have to part ways. Now, that doesn't mean go get divorced from your spouse. But these were two guys that were, um, they were missionaries and they disagreed over whether or not to bring John Mark with them. Barnabas was a forgiver. He was an encourager. John Mark had abandoned them on the first missionary journey. Once, once things got t t uh, hard, he went back, literally, he went back home with his mother. He went back home to see Mama. He didn't make it very far at all on his first missionary journey, like the first stop. He's already headed back on the ship. Well, Paul was one of those guys that if you quit... I'm replacing you. You're out the door. Like, you know, I, don't, I don't do business with quitters. Barnabas, if you quit on him, he's like, well, let's give you a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth chance. So they just had different personalities. Barnabas was a forgiver. Paul was a little more driven. He's, you quit, you're out the door, I'll replace you. So they split ways, and Paul went and got a new worker, and that guy's name was Silas. And then Barnabas went over here and went and found John Mark, and they went on their missionary journeys. And they both basically they split ways. So now you ba the good thing about that is you had two different missionary journeys going out. So now they're in Philippi. 
which is in current day Greece. Paul goes into this town, he's preaching the gospel, and there's a, a young girl who's a fortune teller. We know the demonic is real. Halloween is uh, sadly a celebration of the demonic. It can certainly be that if you're not careful. And that is Saturday night. And it's also a day that we need to be reminded that the demonic is real. So Paul is going along, and he sees this little girl here. She is basically causing problems, and it's being disruptive. And he casts out the evil spirit. He healed the little girl of her, of her fortune-telling. Well, if you owned, if she, if she was actually a slave girl, if you were her owner and you used her to make money, all of a sudden she lost that ability from the devil, you're thinking, what on earth? I just lost money because of this man healed my child or this my slave girl. Now I'm losing money. So Paul and Silas are now thrown in prison. So if you, I've never been to prison, but if you go to prison, you probably would not be praying and singing hymns. Maybe you would. I don't know. I've done prison ministry a few times. Typically, that's not what I've seen there. But maybe in Acts chapter 16, that's what they do here in their prison. Especially if you're on the second missionary journey, and your name's Paul, the apostle. Paul is in prison, and it's midnight, and something miraculous is about to happen. Every prisoner loves this Bible verse because they dream of it happening. Wouldn't it be wonderful if this event what we're about to read, if you're locked up, and this is about to occur. So let's see what's going to happen. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the jail were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open. He drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought all the prisoners had escaped. Now this is a Roman city, a Roman prison. If you are the nighttime jailer and the doors fly open and everyone is, has the opportunity to run away and escape, you know what that means if you're the jailer. You're responsible to keep those people in that prison. That jailer realizes he's going to be executed. He's realizing, oh no, this is the, for the prisoners, this is the best possible thing happened. The jail doors fly open in the middle of the night with the earthquake. For the jailer, he's thinking, oh no, I know what this means. One's freedom for the prisoner, and one is death for the jailer. So that's our dilemma we're in here. Keep going here in your Bible. But Paul, he's realizing, Paul realizes what's about to happen. But Paul calls out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself, because we're all here. We didn't leave. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a question. Because these men, Paul and Silas, were such men of integrity, were men that were serving the Lord, the jailer realized, y'all had the opportunity to be free and to leave, but you didn't. 
And he heard them pray and singing. And the jailer came up and says, I want to be saved. I want what you have. This man went from about to commit suicide, to kill himself, to now asking how to have a relationship with Jesus. He's begging for salvation. He's wanting to know what the next steps are. And it goes on to say here, verse 31, They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your entire household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them to the same, in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he, he and his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before him, for them, and rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. So this happened at midnight. The jailer is about to commit suicide. Paul and Silas share the gospel with him. The man realizes, I want my whole family to hear about Jesus because I believe what these men have can change not only my life, their life. He brings them to this house. Now this is one in the morning. Waking up the family, the kids, everybody, just wake everyone up. Guys, I've got some breaking news. I've accepted Jesus. And this, these men here are going to tell us how to be saved at 1 o'clock in the morning. They will probably clean their eyes out thinking, what on earth is going on, Dad? It's the middle of the night. It's time to get saved. Paul and Silas are, share the gospel with his family. The jailer cleans their wounds. They have a 3, 4 a.m. baptism right there. Have you ever heard of anybody get baptized in the middle of the night? The Philippian jailer and his entire family receive the gospel. They get baptized. This is what a night they're having. Then, by this point, it's daylight, and we know we've got to get back to the jail, or at least pretend like we're all still here, because folks, are, the, the Roman officials are going to eventually come back to work, and we can't be out wherever baptizing. We've got to look like we've been in jail all night long. And what happened that night, God used Paul and Silas in their singing, their praying, and earthquake. They saw a man who's about to commit suicide go from going to hell, literally, in eternal death apart from, apart from Christ, to him and his family getting saved. That is the power of the gospel. That man's heart was opened up and he saw the witness of Paul and Silas because he had been with them all night. He recognized these guys aren't like other prisoners. They are different. Most folks in jail are not singing. Most folks in jail are not praying to the Lord. But these fellows were. And I think what we see here, just like the Philippian jailer, we also can be instrumental in leading our family, those closest to us, to the Lord. Do you know earlier when Paul and Silas went into Philippi, 
earlier in Acts chapter 16, you don't need to turn there, but they went down to the river uh, and they met this woman named Lydia and she was a very wealthy woman. And God, the Bible says in chapter 16, verse 15, that God opened up Lydia's heart and she received the message also from Paul and Silas. And she brought them to her house and they all got saved and baptized. So one of the ways the gospel spreads is spreads through our family relationships. Just like the Philippian jailer, just like Lydia, are you broken? Are you concerned for your family's salvation? You know, I watched Thursday's night debate with um, President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. And uh, former Vice President Joe Biden said something that um, it spoke to me because I knew I was preaching on this, but I, I, I was using it as a different context in the coronavirus. Joe Biden looked at the ca camera and says, do you know, you, there's probably some of you at home that have a family member that's not sitting at the kitchen table, that's not next to you at the couch right now because they've passed away from the coronavirus. You remember when uh, Vice President Biden said that? He was referencing the 200 plus thousand people that have passed away from the coronavirus. And I thought that was a, a, a good point that he made. That is true, the, the, the toll of the coronavirus. You have to acknowledge that. There are people who are, have passed away from a virus. That's why you all have a mask on right now. That's why we wear a mask to be safe. But more importantly than the coronavirus, more importantly than just passing away, I want you to think about that. Think about that comment Vice former Vice President Bi Mr. Biden made. Some of your family next to you has gone, they've passed away because of the coronavirus. Now think about that. Do you have family members? Think about this broadly. At your home who do not know the Lord. They are not at church this morning. They are not at home right now watching online. They do not know Jesus. They've never been baptized. They've never received the Lord. They are not active in reading their Bible. They are not going to bring their children to Evans Orchard with a church family. They do not have a network of believers. Guys, listen. More important than the coronavirus is your family's relationship with the Lord. We are so diligent about wearing our mask, about taking precautions. Are we as precautious as we are about not spreading the virus? Are we that sensitive about sharing the gospel with our family? Are we broken? We don't want our family members and our our grandparents and our great-grandparents, we don't, nobody wants to spread the virus. But God's telling us we do need to spread the good news of Jesus. That is the gospel and the hope of what we see here with this Philippian jailer in the middle of the night. He was so broken over his family getting saved. He went and woke them up at 1 a.m. to go tell them about the Lord. When is the last time you woke up in the middle of the night praying for your children, praying for your grandchildren, praying for your spouse, praying for someone who needs to get saved? 
God wants us, like this Philippian jailer, to be just as broken over our family as he was, just as concerned over us, not wear, just like wearing our mask. The same way we wear a mask for people we don't even know. We're, go to Walmart, you don't even know who you're around. But you know your family. And the Bible tells us, without the Lord, they're lost. I want God to bring renewal in your family's life. Who do you know right now that doesn't know Jesus in, the, in your inner circle? Who's not, just like Vice President Biden, look, you look at your kitchen table and you might be a missing chair, somebody's passed away. Look at your pew. Which family member's not there? Who's not coming to church with you? Why aren't people in the back seat when you drive here? And they're in bed. Ask God. Listen, evangelism, outreach, do you know where it starts? It starts at home. It starts with your inner circle. If you want renewal in your house, it starts at your address. Turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. I love this passage we're about to read. I believe this passage is powerful. I've been saving it. Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. I want to tell you, Joshua led the people into the promised land. Moses and all the Israelites complained, griped, and grumbled, and God says, because all y'all have done for 40 years is complain, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. He let them die out in the wilderness. But then he raised up Joshua and Caleb, and they led a military conquest of Israel in the promised land. They drive out the peoples that were the Canaanites that were already living there. And now we're approaching Joshua's death. Joshua's about to pass away, and he's well on up in years. He lives to be 110 years old. And he's going to make a kind of a, some final statements. He's going to make a final renewal for his nation, for his family. And look what he says here. This is the last chapter of the book of Joshua. Joshua 24, verse 14. It's kind of like these are his final words. He's giving, um, giving some advice to his family. Therefore, fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Do you know what that means, get rid of the gods? That means don't bring the pollution that you had back in Egypt, that you were back in the wilderness. Don't bring these idols, don't bring this filth into the promised land. Do you know in your home, God says the same thing. You own your home. You should guard your home. You pay for the internet at your home. You pay for what comes through the TV. It's your home. You guard, you put a barrier of protection around your home. There's no reason you should allow the gods of America the moral filth of our culture to come into your home. Now, it might be in the school. I mean, it might even be in church. It might be in your work. But there's no reason 
for it to be in your house. That's your house. And Joshua's reminding the people that. Don't bring this stuff into your house. It says, verse 15, But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today which you will worship, the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Meaning, we're now going into a new land, and you have to choose. Are you going to worship these false gods of your old life, or are you going to worship the God of the Bible? And look at this statement. This is a statement every single one of us should commit to this morning. This is the last sentence of verse 15. This is what Joshua says, kind of final parting words. As for me and my family, this is one of these Bible verses you want to put in your kitchen, in your living room. You want to have it engraved somewhere on your Bible. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. That's a choice Joshua is making. Am I going to worship this culture? Am I going to allow the moral filth to come into my home? Or is my home where I live, what I have control and influence? You might not have influence or control of anything else in your life. But listen, moms, dads, grandparents, you should control your home. You control your home more than you control church. As for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Have you made that statement? Have you held to that promise? Are there things going on in your house that you know should not be played on the radio, should not be viewed on TV, should not be coming through the internet, on the computer? Moral Filth should not be in the refrigerator. Things that are going on in your household that are wrong. You know it's going on. And you're allowing it. God is looking for you and I to stand up and take hold to this promise that Joshua says. As for me and my family, my house, we're going to worship the Lord. I'm not... I can't control what other people do. I have no idea what goes on down the street. I can't influence that person over there. But I know my house. We're not going to do that. We're not going to live that way. We're going to be a family that serves God. I'm going to put up here on the screen how to lead your family to Christ. You've got folks at your home I'm going to give you three points here. You can write these down. Write it in your bulletin if you have it. You need to set godly expectations of your home. Your home should not be a place of chaos. Your home should not be a place that breeds sin. People should not be selling drugs, getting drunk, or viewing pornography on your internet service. You should not be allowing that to happen. Your home should have high standards. You want to have a godly house. It's not just free for all, anything goes. Remember, it's your home. It's 
your car. When you own something, you set the agenda and you set the expectations. If they're not happy, you say, sir, ma'am, there's the door. When you own it, it's yours. So you have to claim your house. Number two, you want to use in your home, among your family, everyday moments to talk about Christ. Think about how much time you spend at the kitchen table. Think about how much time maybe you spend watching TV. Just everyday moments. Have you ever been to a doctor's appointment? What do you do? You wait in a chair. That's an opportunity. Instead of playing on your phone or your iPad, that's an opportunity for a conversation. When you're in the car going to school, when you're in a car driving to church, using everyday moments for opportunities for conversations about the Lord. That's an opportunity. You have to look for chances to talk about the Lord. And I think what's powerful about this story, the Philippian jailer here, he realized these guys were praying and singing and an earthquake came. And they didn't run away. They were different. People will notice that you and your house are different. They'll notice that on Sundays you go to church or you gather around the internet. You, you take time says, we are going, as for me and my house, we are going to worship the Lord. What are some moments, birthday parties, milestones you can use to talk about Christ? And not only that, your family here knows the real you. This is important. Because if you come to this church on Sundays and on Wednesdays, and you act one way and you go home and you're a different man, your family, your spouse, your grandchildren, your siblings, they see that. People look for hypocrisy in Christians. That's a great excuse not to believe in the gospel. And that will give them a reason not to listen to your message about Christ. But if you are the same here in this building as you are at your home, they will see that is someone who is consistent, whether at work, school, church, or the house, they serve the Lord. You do not lose your witness. Your family needs renewal. All of us here have family members. Just like Joe Biden says there's an empty chair, there's an empty pew next to you. That you have people, your loved ones, that you need to invite. That you need to extend an invitation to. Even if they don't feel comfortable maybe coming in person yet, you need to invite them to worship online. You need to invite them to engage in a conversation about Jesus. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Will you make that commitment? Will you make that promise? You start making that commitment, that promise, you will have your family members come up to you. Just like the Philippian jailer fell down at the feet of Paul and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? 
your home needs to be a God, Christ-centered home. That when people come to it, they feel welcome, they feel loved, and they know the presence of Jesus is flowing out of that house. And there's an invitation that they know they can come to and hear and learn about the Lord. Is that your house? Is that what you're known for? Is that your attitude? Who do you need to share Jesus with? And it starts with first praying for that person and then looking for everyday moments that God will bring someone in your path that you can share the good news. We're so cautious with wearing our mask. We're so cautious about spreading the coronavirus. Let's be just as cautious and even contagious with spreading the gospel. I'm going to invite you this morning to make a commitment to experience family renewal. Even online, do you know if somebody needs to get saved? Do you know somebody that you need to start praying for? Somebody needs to hear this message. If you, if you need to give your life to Christ, just like Paul and Silas led this jailer to the Lord, he called for them to believe in Jesus. And I'm going to ask the same. So here's your opportunity to respond to Jesus. If you want to cry out to the Lord, you can call out to Him this morning. So let's bow our heads, and we're going to say the sinner's prayer. This prayer can save your soul for an eternity. This prayer is what you can use to lead your family to the Lord. You don't even have to bring your family to church. At 1 a.m., you can share the good news with your family, just like the Philippian jailer did. Let's bow our heads and pray. And I want you to pray along with me. You can surrender to Christ this morning. There's no reason to wait. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. We are not promised tomorrow. We do not know when an opportunity passes by. And God has given you an opportunity right now to respond to Him. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, even those online, you bow your head too. And you say this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I ask for forgiveness. Lord, save me. Lord, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God, I'm yours. From this day on, I'm living for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. I want you to know, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, we have an opportunity to respond. We have an invitation. If you're online, you just send us a message here. We have a connection card. You send us a message on our Facebook page, and we'll be getting in touch with you. We won't baptize you this morning, but we can schedule baptism. And you have an opportunity to follow Christ, just like the Philippian jailer and his whole family gave their life to Christ, and we're baptized in the middle of the night, you can do the same. Christ calls us to respond to Him. So we're going to stand together. We're going to close this service with an invitation. I'm going to be standing down front here with Brother Hurd. 
If you want to join this church, if you want to make it public of your decision for following Christ, now is your time to come forward and to make that public at this altar call. Let's stand together and sing. Chris?